This is the Why We Travel podcast, the podcast dedicated to those who want to explore the world on their terms. Each week, you'll hear from amazing travelers and experts sharing their best travel stories from the road. Listen to their unique travel experiences and get insider tips about their favorite destinations. Whether you're an experienced world nomad or just getting started, this podcast will inspire you, improve your travel skills, change the way you travel, and motivate you to get out and see the world. Discover the art of independent travel and meet fellow travelers in our online community. Now, let's get into it with your host and world traveler, Claus Louder. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Why We Travel podcast. Now, in this episode, we want to go really high up into the mountains. We want to go into Himalayas. So I have with me Giselle. Giselle traveled to Nepal and wants to give us a bit of an idea on what has happened there. So let's say hello and how are you today? Good. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Maybe to start with, give me a bit of background. What got you into traveling? What got you into solo traveling? I wanted to travel for a long time. Since I was a little kid, I really liked explore comic books and just traveling adventures. And it took me a long time to actually get around to doing that. But when I was 27, I started a solo backpacking trip to Southeast Asia. And that really hit off my solo travels. I ended up being gone for two years and the rest is history. Okay. You have been to six out of seven continents. So one is missing. Let me know which one is that. Antarctica. <laughs> okay. And we're on the same page. That's one is missing from me as well. <laughs> Tell me a little bit of your backing experience in India and then what got you to the idea to get to Everest Base Camp? Yeah. So I was living in Australia and just saving money and was looking at India. I had been around Southeast Asia and it broke the barriers for me. I was like, all right, I can do Asia. India seems a little crazy, but let's go. So I went there in the beginning of 2019 from Australia and spent three months backpacking around India. And I had a plan to go to Nepal, but it was very vague. I had no idea what I would do there. Probably just bum around in Kathmandu was my plan. But the closer I got, I crossed the border by bus from India into Nepal. And I heard more and more from other travelers about the trekking and the Himalayas, of course, how beautiful it is. And I'm not much of a trekker or a fitness junkie, so to speak. So I had never really done anything like that, but it sounded like an opportunity I couldn't pass up. So yes, I crossed the border and heard more about it and decided why not. And the idea was to just trek maybe a small trek, two or three days. And the more I heard about Everest base camping an option, I was like, I have to do this. So that's how it started. Okay. You said you were not really prepared for that. What does that mean? I've been hiking a few times in my life before that. I am a big city girl and have very little experience with nature. I mean, I do love it, but I had never been in the mountains really before. And coming from India, I had a backpack with sandals and dresses, you know, so I had no gear or anything like that. So yes, when I decided I would go on this trek, I researched it and found there was cheap ways to get there. I went to the markets and started bartering for everything I would need from boots to pants to jackets to a smaller backpack to water bottle, anything that you're going to need on a three-week trek. <laughs> 
Okay, you're saying there are obviously some challenges there. One challenge I can imagine is altitude, altitude sickness, thin air, everything that comes with that. What's your experience on that? Yeah, so I think that is a issue because you never know how your body is going to react. And again, me having no experience in any kind of mountain, mountainous terrain, I was concerned about that, especially as I actually smoke cigarettes and am asthmatic as well. So that was a concern, but I decided I would just go as slow as I wanted. And I had two months, over two months in Nepal. So I didn't need to rush and I would go at my own pace and hope for the best. And I bought Diamox pills, which is the altitude sickness medication to help you if you're in need. <laughs> but yeah, I walked in pretty blind with it, to be honest. <laughs> okay. What kind of help did you get in regards of giving you advice and pointing you in the right direction? What did you help you there? I just was hearing the trekking from other travelers and the hostel that I was staying at in Kathmandu. Some of the people that worked there had been guides in the past. So I was asking them, is it really necessary to have a guide or have a porter? I was trying to do this trek on a budget. Most people fly into Lukla where the trek begins, and I was trying to avoid any costs, really. I was gathering information from other trekkers. People had been there. People had led maybe guides there in the past and marking cities on my offline maps to where I would follow this trek. So I was just gathering information on the ground from people that had been trekking in the region. Okay. How can I imagine the trek? How long does it take? How many stages are involved? That's a good question. There's different ways to go about this trek. If you take the trek as I did, I took a bus from Kathmandu. It was about a 16-hour ride from Kathmandu into the Himalayas to a city or a town, I should say, called Faplu. And from there, it takes a few extra days of trekking to reach Lukla, which is the big city where everyone flies into and where the Everest Base Camp trek officially begins. If you're flying into Lukla, it takes about two weeks to go up and down, depending on your age and fitness. But roughly, usually the itineraries, if you go with a tour company, because I did look at things online for my own trek. I was basically getting ideas of the cities that I would be hitting from what the tour companies would do, but I was just doing it on my own. And so it can take two weeks, but if you're coming from, say, Jiri, it could take three weeks. It depends on where you start, but two to three weeks, I would say. Okay. You did it on a budget and flying is more expensive. On a budget, what would you calculate? How much would that cost to get you up there? If you're doing a round-trip flight to Lukla, it costs around, I think, $180 to fly to Lukla and then back to Kathmandu. For me, I took a $12 bus ride one way into the mountains. Didn't know how I was going to get back, but I figured it out at the end, and I ended up taking a Jeep that was $20 to get back to the city. So cramped. Long bus rides, narrow roads, very treacherous, but scary at times, but much cheaper and a lot more adventurous. And that also does help with acclimatizing because you're coming from so low altitude on a bus slowly that it really helps you adapt to that versus just flying in from the low level of Kathmandu to the Himalayas. Okay. How can I imagine the environment there? Obviously, it's high in the mountains. I reckon it's cold at night. How does that work? It's very rural. It's cold at night. The buildings that you stay in, because they're tea lodges, so it's not camping outside. You are not allowed to camp, but they have tea houses and lodges, which are essentially where Nepali live, but they open their homes to trekkers coming through. And for a small fee, you have a bed, a small room, very basic. It's no heating in the buildings. They're usually a central fire in the middle of a lodge where it's heated by 
yak dung or feces and it's only from like 5 p.m to the evening so just heavy blankets you're wearing your trekking gear when you're trekking you're usually exercising working up a sweat so i didn't find myself to be very cold but at night yes and when you're stopped it can be a bit chilly <laughs> you said exercise and you said you were not very well trained what would you think how good should somebody be trained or is there any kind of things that could hold someone back from doing this trip yes and i hesitate to give advice on that because i don't want to put someone at risk for trekking so it's really something that one should research and look at your own health situation. Perhaps if you have a bad heart or lung issues, a lot of factors could go into being at risk up there, especially with the aid. You should have travel insurance or some type of way to get down if you do run into an emergency. Diamox pills, drink lots of water, move slowly. There's a lot of different tips. For me, I just charged in recklessly. Uh, thankfully, everything worked out okay. Yeah, I'm a bit of a risk taker at times. What was the sort of age range of people that you saw doing this trip? Who was the youngest and the oldest? I love that. Yes. The youngest I saw, I was one of the few solo trekkers that I ran into along the trail. Most people were with a few people, groups, a tour guide, a porter at least. But 18, I think, was the youngest. There was a group of boys and they were very young. And the oldest I saw, I met a man that was 60 years old trekking. He was making it there for his 60th birthday, which I found so inspiring and amazing. <laughs> I nicknamed him Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> Very good goal. As it sounds like a Camino, what you do in Spain. So how was the vibe? How was the atmosphere between you, other travelers in general? Very close. The people are so friendly and willing to help you out. Not only the other fellow trekkers that I ran along the trail, but their guides, their porters. There was one point where I had not bought a permit that I should have, but I had met some people previous day and they saw me freaking out and were like, how can we help? And their guide spoke to the checkpoint officer and they sorted out a permit for me there on the spot. And everyone is just has each other's back. If you're feeling sick, someone's going to give you water or try to, you know, do you need coffee, tea, anything I can grab you. It's very supportive. And yeah, it's just such an experience, a bonding experience, I think, being out in the Himalayas. And it's so peaceful and majestic and awe-inspiring. And so it's a journey. Even if I was trekking alone, meeting these people, I would run into them again and again. And it was very much a companionship. No, I can imagine. You said you need permits, administration, red tape. What comes with that? It depends on the trek that you're doing. So when I was in Kathmandu, I went to the immigration office trekking permit. There's a place for it. I don't recall the name at the moment. But if you tell them the trek that you're planning to do and where you're planning to start, they will inform you of what permits you're going to need. So it varies if you're going to do, for example, the three passes versus just going to Everest Base Camp. Of course, if you're summiting, that's a whole nother deal with a very expensive permits. But the permits that I bought were roughly 30 apiece, and I think I needed three permits to do the trek to Everest Base Camp. So relatively cheap. Okay. Now, being at the base camp, I haven't been there. How is that? What kind of impression does that leave with you? Incredible. It's so vast. It's so large. Even when I was standing there, it was hard to absorb. I was off season or very close to off season. So there's very few people in base camp. And I didn't even realize I had arrived. Actually, this is the funny thing about not having a guide. I was walking along this ridge and it looked like apocalyptic scene. I don't know what I imagined Everest Base Camp to look like, but it was very like volcanic rock and black and very hilly and I saw one lone yellow tent and I was like, am I here? <laughs> 
And I went down the ridge slipping and sliding because the rocks are very loose. And there was one other guy that I had seen before with his guide. And I was like, Dilly, and ran over. And are we here? Is this it? And yes, this is it. This is Everest Base Camp and pointing out the mountains to me. And then I found the rock that says Everest Base Camp meters 5,000. It was incredible. And just walked the Kumbu ice, all the glaciers. It's just massive. They're the size of houses. And I'm watching other people walk up to them. And it's just so minuscule, incredible, really incredible. Okay. It sounds something that people should put on their bucket list. Would you recommend it? Is it cool? 100% one of my fondest memories of my travels around the world? Absolutely. And very spiritual. Nepal as a whole is just such a beautiful country and very warm, welcoming people. And to experience the mountains in a way that most people never get to seeing the stars is just incredible at night. I've never seen them so bright, see everything like the ancients would have maybe thousands of years ago. Awesome. Yeah. Talking about Nepal, food always is a topic. What's mm. the food? What's the food situation there? The food is delicious. I love all food, though. I'm definitely a foodie. I love eating all the local foods to any country I visit. Along the trail, you'll end up eating a lot of dalbat, which is like a lentil soup. And there's some cabbage and makes it a little bit different, but very filling, warm and delicious. I miss it to this day. I want to return to Nepal, do more trekking and eat it. They have momos as well, which is like a little dumpling filled with meat and they have a delicious red hot sauce that you can dip it in. And I love spicy. So that's something I also miss from Nepal, the momos. Okay. <laughs> But there's a lot of delicious food. Okay. What would be one golden nugget that you would give someone on the way going to Nepal, going to the base camp? Move slowly. <laughs> Take your time. Don't rush. I ran into a few people that were trying to hit a lot of certain things or maybe give yourself extra time and don't have a flight planned and don't plan to leave Nepal immediately after you are doing this trek. Give yourself a few days in case you need to rest an extra day in the mountains or if you just decide you want to absorb it because you really want to cherish these memories and enjoy it. And I met some people that rushed and got altitude sickness. They were a day away from Everest Base Camp and didn't make it. And these types of things, to be able to have enough time to really fully enjoy the experience, immerse yourself in it is very vital, in my opinion. Okay, awesome. What's your next list, your next country, your next goal? <laughs> my goodness, I have so many. I'm currently in Egypt and planning a motorcycle trip to the south, which is nerve wracking because I'm just started learning how to drive motorcycle and the traffic here is absolutely insane, but I'm going to do it this winter, hopefully, inshallah. <laughs> Japan is on my sights as well. I know that's a lot further away and a bit more expensive of a country to travel in, but I've always loved to, I would love to go there as well. So, <laughs> Cool. Okay. Where can people find out more about you? And follow you. So I actually have a YouTube channel and there's a video that tells people about how to trek to Everest Base Camp on a backpacker's budget packed with information. So they can follow me on YouTube at G Ventures. That's G Ventures, all one word. Cool. I will put the link in the show notes and you're just one click away and people can follow and contact you there. Giselle, thanks so much. It was very insightful. I think a lot of people want to go to Mount Everest. It's the highest mountain at least. So you should go there. So thanks again <laughs> for your time and talk soon. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, Klaus here. Before you leave, I have a question. Are you a traveler? Do you have a favorite travel destination or favorite travel experiences that you would like to share with the world? 
then become a guest on the Why We Travel podcast. Simply message me and I will get you all the details for becoming an interview guest and then we take it from there. That's it for now. I'll see you in the next episode and have a great day.